Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. The next 10 minutes are inspired by a rhetoric professor and a couple buddies moving. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the engine. When I was going to Cal, I took a lot of rhetoric courses. It was my major, and it was really intense. It, we, we studied a lot. We read a lot. We, we argued a ton. And one summer, I took a course with Michael Mashu. He, uh, he was pre- uh, excuse me, head of the rhetoric department, and he was teaching the rhetoric course on advanced argumentative writing. Now, let me be clear. Rhetoric is just persuasive language and argument. That's the idea. Okay, and as such, you can imagine the level of argument, discourse, and debate that that we engaged in in class. It was it was not a, a small thing. Like we we went after it, and to be in a course with the head of the rhetoric department, <laughs> and the course of course being advanced argumentative writing, it was the real deal. And and Professor Mashu was legit. He. He was incredibly well-spoken. He was incredibly articulate. And at my graduation, he actually was one of the speakers, obviously being the head of the department. And my dad, who understandably didn't really understand what what we were studying, what I was doing, right? My dad had studied sciences and, and knew I, I had a real a real love for math. And when I switched to rhetoric, he was like, what are you doing? You know, I was like, what, what is this? When Michael Mashu got up, he talked about rhetoric in a way that that really surprised my dad because he spoke about it not as as just people arguing but the way we construct reality the construction and deconstruction of reality and and if you think about it the way we talk about things really does construct our reality like it's hot outside or it's cold outside right if you can convince somebody that you know whatever the temperature is it's hot then you know you associate that with with their experience or or convincing them that it's cold and the the concept of gaslighting has become very popular in in recent years where the idea is that you you have two people in a room and one keeps turning down the the gas lantern, the gas lamp in the room, and keeps telling the other person, no, 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 the lighting hasn't changed. So that person thinks they're going crazy because everyone else is saying, no, 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 the light's fine. And all of a sudden it's like, I can't see anything in this room. What's happening? And you slowly change the way they perceive reality. So if you think about it that way, that's kind of a really short, rough and dirty way of explaining rhetoric. It's kind of the construction of reality with language. And it's a, it's an incredibly valuable valuable thing to study. Not everybody's going to understand it. And just like anything, not everybody's going to be great at it. But for the people that do get after it and take it seriously, it can be an incredibly rewarding and beneficial degree. Michael Mashu is actually a an authority on autobiographies. And that's a really interesting thing when you put it together with the way he describes rhetoric. Because he talks about the construction of reality through language. But then autobiographies, of course, are you just talking about your own life. And if you take a step back and you consider that and you recognize the the severity of how you interpret the story of your life, this should be something that you actually pay attention to pretty much every day. Because if you think of it this way, if we're going to construct our reality with words, 
And that reality is what's going to affect us, right? Because again, it's our realities. We construct it with our words. But then we go a step further and we construct our own understanding of our own existence with words, right? We write our own story and that becomes our reality. So for instance, let's say I want to go back and look at myself in a negative light. Um, When I was in high school, I was, you know, energetic, a little wild, uh, definitely didn't didn't have a lot of people trying to keep me in line and looking over my shoulder to make sure I was flying straight. You could say that my reality then is that I'm a bad person or I was a bad person and I was this and I was that and, and it's I poo-poo on me. And guess what? I'm the authority on it because it was my existence and, and I get to look at it in that light and, and make my reality. But the flip side of that is that you could always look at it positively too. I could look at it and say, look, I didn't really have anyone looking over my shoulder. I didn't have anyone making me fly straight. And I was able to overcome. I was able to get to Cal. I was able to graduate and start a business. I was able to thrive in the world. And the the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area is not the easiest place to thrive and live. I mean, you there are plenty of people surviving, yeah, but there aren't there are far fewer thriving here than than surviving. And that's a real consideration. And I've been thinking about this as as I consider my life and, and constructing reality and several of my friends have moved away or are moving away uh, in, in recent years. One, one moved about two years ago to Utah. His wife's family lives there and, and he moved and that was a big blow. And then another dear friend of mine moved to Germany his his daughter was not thriving in the school systems here and he and his wife had lived in Germany and they decided to move just up and move they got there right right at the beginning of the uh the uh, covid crisis so they got locked down in Germany another friend a couple months after that moved to Idaho and his kids were really suffering with distance learning and just just not not a good situation to keep them in and i have another good friend dear friend who's about to move to to Nevada, just move out of state. He's getting close to retirement and he doesn't like California anymore and his kids are older so he's taken off. And I've been mourning these losses for the last couple of days because these these people in my life, they represented this looking at it, this golden age of time where I had such close friends and I had confidants and I had people that were, were not just like-minded, but, you know, engaged in similar pursuits and, and, and understood me. That's one of the greatest things. I mean, they truly, they understood me, I think just easily, but went to great lengths to really dig deeper and find out who I was. And I did I did that as well. I mean, these are people, they were my people. This was my village. And in considering this, I've been writing this, writing this story in my head, creating this reality in my head, constructing it over the last few days of just loss. Almost like, you know, like my wife left me. Like I have, I had these great companions and they're gone. And that's a very difficult thing for me to 
for me to get past. Uh, you know, here I'm my late 30s. I mean, this is this is it. It took me a long time to make these friends and find these people. But I've been thinking a lot about Michael Mashu, Professor Mashu, again. Because I'm willingly, willingly constructing a very dark reality, right? A reality filled with loss, a reality filled with abandonment, a reality filled with, you know, no friends and, and anxiety. That's the reality that I'm building, right? Word by word. And, and I woke up this morning really in a bad mood. <laughs> My friends absolutely called me out on it. And here's the thing. If I, if I really am honest about the story I've been telling myself about my friends moving, I have to recognize that I'm the one writing that story. I'm the one interpreting the reality of the world in such a way and, and, and giving it a theme and giving it an idea and giving it a voice. When in reality, I could just say, look, the real story is that I have these friends and they were all living at one place at one time. And what a prosperous and amazing experience that was. And it's not like my friends are gone, right? My friend moving to, to Nevada, I'll be able to see him. And I flew to see my friend in Utah before the, before the corona hit. And my friend living up in, in Boise, I mean, he's a two-hour flight. It's almost nothing. So it's not, it's not like these friends are gone. And more than anything, where in my original sad story was the exponential appreciation for everything I realized I have and had? Where was the just unbelievable gratitude to the world for having these people kind of just land in the same area I was and we happen to enjoy the same pursuits? And where's the appreciation for that? And more than anything, where's the appreciation for the people that aren't moving? Where's the appreciation for all of my other friends that are still here? Where's that part of the story? I think it's important to remember that the words we tell people are meaningful. Words are important. But the things we tell ourselves, those things are even more important because they will absolutely distinctly and drastically affect the world that we occupy. Even if it looks the same to people on the outside, our world, the inside, the way we're seeing things, the way we're feeling things, the way we see ourselves and everyone around us, those things will be different. So be careful. Be careful with the stories you tell yourself. Be careful with the ideas that you allow to trickle into your head and germinate. Make your story one of heroism, appreciation, redemption, not loss and failure. Because at the end of the day, we can all have a Hollywood ending if we like. I'm Matt Todd, and this is the engine that drives me. Go out and crush it.